This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. First, I'd like to thank one of our sponsors, Credit Intel. Knowing the financial health of retailers is crucial for the success of your retail-related business. That's what Credit Intel is for. Credit Intel analyzes the financial health of hundreds of publicly and privately held retailers in different sectors. With a subscription to Credit Intel, you have access to comprehensive analysis of retailers' financial condition and their expert analytics team. Visit creditintel.com for more information. Happy New Year, everyone. This is Chris Ressa. It is Friday, January 3rd. Pretty excited. You know, this time of year, a lot of people start their strategic planning. I think uh, strategic planning is necessary. It's important. You know, I even did a lot of logistical planning, right? I've taken my Q1 and booked a bunch of my travel and set up a lot of meetings and going to uh, regional offices here at DLC and doing property tours and meeting with some of our clients and retail partners and setting those up. And that feels good, right? Because you feel organized and it, it's like uh, you, you, know, you have a direction where you're going. And given that corporate America really gets back in the swing of things after the, you know, call it on Monday, January 6th, because this week was a short week with New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, and there's a lot of people on vacations. You know, having that all set in stone is good. And there's a lot of people that have set their goals. And that's all fantastic stuff. One of the things that I think is important is not to forget about just brainstorming ideas. And I think those hungry go-getters out there spend a lot of time like, all right, I need to go do X and here's the goal and here's how I get there. Let me go try and attack that. And that was me. And I still do that uh, a lot of the time, but it's important to sit back and reflect and put down some ideas and brainstorm. And I started doing that about two weeks ago, right before Christmas, where I literally take out a a notebook, like a journal and start writing down things that were ideas I had and, you know, solutions to problems, hopefully, or, you know, whether how, how crazy or how small or traditional those ideas might be. And The reason it's good is one, it gets your mind thinking. It actually helps you strategically plan. But one of the things that I realized is, you know, as in this fast paced world, there's a lot of ideas that get thrown out there by either teammates, clients, strategic vendors, friends, yourself, and nothing really happens. And so why doesn't anyone, any of those happen? Because They never get recorded anywhere, like in a notebook and someone act on them. And so I'm excited because outside of like my strategic plan and all the logistics that I set for 2020, I've been really focused on like just ideas and some of them might not come into fruition, come to fruition. Some of them might not come to fruition for a long time, but if they don't get on paper and you don't really spend the time to brainstorm, a lot of ideas just disappear and never get acted on. And so as everyone's really focused on goal setting, and literally I talked to someone today who told me they got out of a goal setting meeting. As people are focused on goal setting and strategic planning and 
doing what I did a little bit of this week and focused on logistics and setting up meetings and getting schedules ironed out. That's all important. That's all should be done. Find some time to just kick your feet up, have a cup of coffee and journal down some ideas, brainstorm that aren't full fledged plans. They're just stream of conscious thoughts. And after you do that, you can't just act on it. After you do that, the next step after you've got a bunch of ideas and a few pages of journal notes is you need a partner to talk those out loud with, whether that's a, a friend, a colleague, your boss, a mentor, or you know someone who works for you, and start talking it out. Because once you put an idea out in space, then the brainstorming happens when two people or multiple people are going back and forth with that idea, and they start to give you new ideas. And that process starts to lead into an actual plan at some point in time, because at some point you will come up with an idea you feel really passionate about and some, you're getting positive feedback and you start to do something about that idea. And so for me, a guy who is just so goal hungry, ambitious, and really puts the pedal to the metal, there's a lot of times where I don't sit back and just brainstorm and think of ideas. And so I've been spending some time this last quarter really working through that. Uh, I've always been one to really like plan out things, goal set, and here's a goal and how do I crush that goal? Uh, But that's different than brainstorming and coming up with the ideas, alternative ideas that might be new goals. Uh, Goals that you never thought of, those come from ideas and brainstorming sessions. So my recommendation to everyone out there is take a journal. Don't put it in the notes app in your phone. Take a journal. Start writing down ideas you have, whether they're about work, about your personal life. Maybe they could be about saving money. They could be about how to get more clients for your business, how to do more deals in real estate. could be about working out. Just start writing down some ideas. After you've got some weeks of ideas, start reading through them and seeing which ones you're really connecting with. And then start to talk out loud about them with someone. And I think you'll be fascinated what you see happens next. So um, that's what I got for you all today. And today I have for you on this podcast an interesting interview with Wade Loffenberg. He's the head of real estate for Bell's Outlet. Excited to have Wade on because he's got a real interesting perspective. He's been in this business for 30 years in the retail real estate business. And he's got to work at companies like JCPenney, Macy's, Lowe's Home Improvement, Dick's Sporting Goods. I think that, you know, just a really good breadth of knowledge. And he talks about something that I don't think I'll have the opportunity to talk to a lot of people about on this show because he works for a company that has multiple concepts uh, under one company. And, you know, there's a lot of retailers that have one concept. Uh, it's a retail chain of X and Bell's outlet has uh, multiple concepts. And that was the key for him to getting a deal done that he talks about on the show. So thanks everyone. Hope everyone has a happy new year. Get your strategic planning, your logistics, your goal setting, all that done and spend some time brainstorming. Welcome to the show, Wade. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, thanks for that nice introduction, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to have you. So, Wade, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about uh, Bell's Outlet? Uh, you guys are based in Bradenton, Florida. What you guys are doing, 
what we can expect from Bell's Outlet on a go forward. Absolutely. So Bell's Outlet is a uh, off-price retailer of fashion, beauty, accessories, and home. Today we operate 455 stores across 16 states. The company has actually been around now for 105 years. Uh, the company operated as a department store for the first 70, and 30 years ago the Bell's Outlet division was formed. The uh, Bell's Outlet has gone through a complete reinvention of itself over the last five years, transforming itself into a truly uh, off-price retailer. We've done this through changing our buying mentality, bringing on thousands of new vendors, uh, changing our approach to um, real estate, the types of shopping centers that we're in, and the design and look of our stores. Uh, going forward, our growth is going to accelerate because we're in a very strong position financially to do so, and the business is very good. We're running uh, a nice two-year stack of uh, very healthy uh, comp store sales increases. That's fantastic. And so, over the last you know few years, you know, over the last five years, there's been a lot of talk in headline news about off price, and I, I think there's a at least to People maybe not in retail or retail real estate, there's this link that off price is discount or, and, and I still think that, you know, discount is a traditional retail price that's sold at, you know, less than full retail price, like a Walmart or Target. And off price is, you know, the how people are buying the products and the ability then to create value for the consumer in how they're buying the, those products. Uh, and that might give you the, the polo shirt from last year, but instead of buying it in the, that when it was released by Ralph Lauren, you might be buying it a year, year and a half later, but at a significantly uh, less price than it was, but it's different than discount. Is, is that still true today? Is, is there a difference between off price and discount and, Am I on the right track of what I'm saying? Yeah, I think what you're describing with the uh, older merchandise that's discounted, I think that uh, and uh, I would define that as being discount with, with off price where what our buyers are doing is they're opportunistically going to all the vendors and getting buys on this year's merchandise, on stuff that's in season this year that perhaps um, there are other traditional retail formats like department stores or apparel retailers are not going to make the orders on. So we come in and we're able to get a very opportunistic price and sell this year's name brand fashions at significant uh, savings uh, and amazing values. That makes a lot of sense. And so were you guys going with the trends? What made you guys decide that we were going to transform into a true off-price retailer from a department store? Well, the senior management made a decision about six years ago to bring in a new president of Bell's Outlet. And he came with a, a heritage in off-price retailing. He spent a lot of his career with uh, TJ Maxx uh, Canada and TJ uh, X in, um, in Europe as well. Uh, so he came in and he took the uh, company and really refined our, uh, our buying habits uh, and really just everything about the company to really make off price into the DNA of the company. Previous to that, 
you know, I wasn't here, but from what I understand, it was maybe kind of a hybrid of trying to be off price, but a little bit of discount, a little bit of promotional uh, mixed in. So now he's weaned us off those other aspects and made us truly an off price retailer. And how many stores today? Today we have 450 stores and we're currently in 16 states. Now that will, that will soon change as we're opening more new stores. We're about to embark on the greatest uh, growth in our company's history. Plans to get up to doing 40, uh, even 50 new stores a year. And to do that, we'll enter new markets and we'll enter new states, starting out concentrically from our existing geographic footprint and essentially moving north. You'll see us going into the, the Midwest and a lot of new markets. Wow. So how many states are you in with those, you know, north of 400 stores? That's 16 states today. And that includes um, the Oklahoma, which we just opened uh, a month and a half ago. That was uh, state number 16 for us. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. That's fantastic uh, growth story and exciting news uh, going into the future and probably exciting to be a part of. Everyone wants to be a part of a company that's constantly growing. So uh, that's great stuff. So today, um, you know, we're going to talk about a story about uh, one of your deals. Uh, so where are we talking about, Wade? Uh, we're talking about the uh, Tampa, Florida market, uh, a suburb that's called Brandon. Brandon has an so I wrestled in high school and college. Brandon has an amazing wrestling team uh, nationally. I'm familiar with Brandon. So Brandon, Florida, and we're talking about a Bell's Outlet store. Yeah, Bell's Outlet store. So we had a uh, store in Brandon on Brandon Boulevard, um, and that particular store was a sublease of a Office Depot, and we knew that the Office Depot lease was uh, coming to uh, the lease was ending and they would not be exercising an option. So we were had been really um, starting three years ago when I joined the company, we were looking for a new home uh, for our Bell's Outlet store. And uh, the Brandon Boulevard uh, corridor, retail corridor is very tight. We looked at a number of locations and um, you know we were not initially, we did not meet with success in finding the location that we needed. The one, piece of property that we kept our eyes on that was perfectly positioned was a Kmart anchored center. And we were, you know, of course, uh, looking to the future when Kmart may eventually close that location. Um, and then uh, a couple of years ago, that's uh, exactly what happened. Kmart closed the location. So you were on a sublease. That's interesting. So you were, you guys were actually leasing space from Office Depot. And you, you knew a couple of years in advance that Office Depot wasn't going to be exercising an option and renewing, which means you wouldn't uh, have a lease anymore. Did you try to do a direct deal with the landlord? We did, yes. Uh, the economics of doing a fresh deal with the landlord were going to be uh, prohibitive for us. Um, so that, that's a route that we chose not to go. Got it. So you're in the market. You're looking for new sites. It's a tight market. Don't really find anything, but you're being patient because you kind of have your eye on this Kmart center. So did Kmart close? Were you working on an opportunity before they closed? Did you get wind that they were, you had a timeline when they were going to close? What happened there? Uh, it was just an announcement that came up. I mean, it's like, uh, like most of the Kmarts. I mean, they're, I would say today that anything that's a Kmart or Sears is on a watch list. Um, and this one was, was on our watch list as something that we wanted to pursue and, when the announcement uh, uh, came out publicly, they were closing the stores. 
Uh, we, uh, ad, you know, advanced our discussions with the landlord who was site centers is the landlord that owned that uh, property. Uh, and so uh, your prototype is what size? Our prototype for Bell's Outlet is 20,000 square feet. And so Kmarts are usually, and I'm assuming, I don't know, but usually much bigger than 20,000 feet. Um, so you didn't lease the whole box, I'm assuming. We didn't lease the whole box. Uh, this one was actually uh, almost 100,000 square feet. Um, and as a matter of fact, site centers decided to demolish and build new on, on the site. So it was really the, really the real estate and not the box itself that this became this site. Wow. So, and so they ended up demolishing it and it was, did they just build the 20,000 square foot Bell's Alley? No, they're building an entire shopping center. In addition to us, we have Crunch Fitness, we have Lucky's Market, we have Kiki's Restaurant going in. So very exciting redevelopment of the, of the project. And I, I think one of the things that's interesting is like some other retailers, you guys just don't have one concept. You have Bell's Outlet, but you also have Home Centric, which is an off-price home retailer, correct? That's correct. And we uh, we launched the Home Centric um, concept uh, two years ago. So that kind of came in the middle of the story. I think that's what makes this interesting is that uh, we had launched the Home Centric con concept and we had plans to do more. And then we uh, started doing combination stores where we partnered the Bell's Outlet with the Home Centric and created a larger store uh, that was uh, initially, our first one was in Daytona Beach and we did a 30,000 square foot store. Um, turn, turned out fantastic. And I really credit uh, the launch of that combo store to, to us um, being able to make this deal with site centers here because it became something that was new and innovative and very exciting and was really going to be the anchor of the new project. Uh, and that's, that's really what got their attention was to do a combo store uh, rather than just a 20,000 square foot store. And how big is the combo? This particular one is 28,000. Generally, they'll range from 28,000 to 30,000. And it's two separate storefronts, so I can... I can go into, if I want to shop Bell's Outlet, I shop Bell's Outlet, I can go into Home Centric, shop that, or I can shop both? You can shop both. So they have separate entrances with separate branding. When you walk in the store, it's, uh, um, you know, very updated store appearance. We have open ceilings and we divide the two uh, with a partial partition wall that's open in the front where they share the cash wrap. It's open in the middle and then it's open in the uh, rear of the store. So it creates an open environment so you can see into the from the fashion side into the home and vice versa. It creates a very good environment for, for cross shopping between fashion and home. This new concept, this year growing retailer, you got the landlord excited. But I think, you know, with the relocation and you guys were ahead of it, timing is is always everything. And so you had three years to go on your sublease. Was there ever any concerns that the timing might not work out where you would be, this is new development now, where that timing might not work out, where you might not be open in time uh, and you'd have to close the store? Yeah, it was a very real concern and a very real concern that uh, came to fruition as the, uh, the, the project took uh, time to, uh, to, to get together, you know, major redevelopment and demolition. 
And in fact, our sublease did run out and we closed the store and we were, we were out of the market for probably a good um, six months before we reopened. Wow. So I, that is always, a, you know, a real big concern of retailers is that that stop of revenue and, you know, in the brand and the connection with the consumer while you guys were bringing in a new concept, brand new store. How did you guys deal with that? Well, one of the things that helps us is the Tampa market is a market where we have um, a dozen stores. So uh, we had we had nearby stores. Um, so it's not like we're out of the Tampa market. We were just out of that brand and sub market for right. a few months. And we, uh, you know, we, we do mo all our uh, marketing is, is direct marketing. Uh, you know, we have a very robust loyalty program and we communicate with our customers through that. So we let our customers know what was in store, this, this great new combo store that would be, uh, that would be opening in the future. Got it. So you were, even though you were closed, you guys were constantly, you know, before the new stores open all over your consumers from a marketing perspective so that once it did open, there was some buzz around it and uh, you, it would be like you guys never left the market. Right. Absolutely. Great. That buzz. And did, were you able to get sales back to where they were and hopefully higher? This store opened on December 5th. And uh, it had a, a, a great grand opening. It exceeded our uh, our goal for grand the four day grand opening by thirty percent. And then it's gone on since then very strong. It's uh, you know we really anticipate this to be one of the the best stores uh, in our company now. Uh, so we've we've more more than made up for the sales we had in the previous location. And we see the future being even stronger. And I'll tell you. Because we were so um, uh, prompt on this project and getting in and getting open, we're the first retailer open in the new phase. So the, the rest of the center is not open. So it's going to continue uh, to get better with time as the as the restaurants and uh, supermarket open in the coming months. That's interesting. And so were you the first open because you were the first deal, or were you the first open because you guys were trying to get open because you had this? Yeah, that you were already in the market and this was a new store. So you guys, you know, did, did you do the interior construction or did the landlord? Well, they built the, uh, they built the shell and they, they, they deliver what I would call a white box to us or a vanilla box. You know, and there was a lot of different definitions for that. But then after that, we, we went in and, um, and built out the remainder of the store. Got it. So you opened December 5th of 2019. This is recent. Yeah, this is just last month. Uh -huh. Wow. Uh, probably a lot of eyes on this one. This is, And how many combo stores are there in the country now? Uh, so for these true ground up, like side by sides, we have seven right now. You said the most interesting thing was, about this was when you decided to turn this into a combo. I guess when you were first working with uh, site centers, it was just a regular Bell's outlet. And I, I guess was there either less excitement on their end or less leverage on your end? And when you talk to them about, hey, we're, we're prepared to do this combo, things really got it really cooking. Is that is that kind of what happened? Yeah, the combo store definitely got everybody, got both companies excited. And then 
Um, and, you know, we have a great relationship with, with site centers and uh, we as a retailer, we really feel that uh, we value the partnership with a landlord and uh, they did, um, they, they saw that as well. So having a, you know, a, a new fresh concept, you know, it's kind of a, a feather in the cap of a landlord to have that brand new concept anchoring their, their, their redevelopment project. And I'll, I'll tell you, for us, it was a work in progress because we had just launched Home Centric about a year before we were negotiating this deal. And it was kind of a work in process. So it, we've developed and we've tweaked the, the, the prototype and the format of the store as, as we've gone along. So um, they, they, were, they were good in working with us and doing some design revisions, uh, things that, that were learnings from the very first combo stores we opened like uh, six months before this store. Well, I think, you know, for me, lesson one here is you were pretty early in the process. You guys had a sublease uh, three years to go and you started looking in the market because you had known that Office Depot wasn't going to exercise in the existing landlord and you weren't going to be able to come to terms. And you, you kind of had time on your side for a moment in time. And then it, I guess it got to a point where time might not have been on your side. You had to close, but you guys were committed to the market and the site and were able to make it work, I think. And then getting creative to decide to make this a combo store is, you know, I guess, you know, really what got everyone really fired up about this. I, it, what was the driving force that decided that this was going to be one you were going to do a combo? You were in the market for so long with just a Bell's outlet. Why make this a combo store? Yeah, great question. So I, I mentioned the uh, loyalty card. We call it our one card, and it gives us great data. We we know what our customers' shopping patterns are, and uh, we're able to uh, you know we know where our customers reside, uh, so we're able to uh, know what the demographics. So we studied uh, prior to the launch of Home Centric. We studied the demographics of the fashion customer and the home customer. And we found that we're different. We found that the the geo de de demo segments that um, that drove home were were different from the from the primary ones that drove fashion. And so that that really drives a lot of locational decisions. Where we do a home centric standalone store, or where we do a Bell's Outlet store, is where we have that geo demographic segmentation in a high concentration. As branded market, we saw we saw all of those segments in high proportions. As nearly 50% of that market was either our fashion customer or our home customer. So we knew it was just the perfect storm of demographics and a great location for us to launch a, a combo store. Interesting. Well, in a world where everyone's craving data, here's where a place where uh, data really helped you guys make a uh, awesome business decision. So you decide to do the home centric, you know, playing devil's advocate, what would have happened if, if Kmart never closed this location or never announced it's closing, what happens to Bell's Outlet in Brandon, Florida? Then um, we're continuing to look for a uh, for an alternative location, and I mean, your guess is as good as mine as to, to where we would have ended up at the end of the day. But um, would this would would this have ever been a place where you guys would have closed and left the market for a significant amount of time? We would have only uh, 
done that if there were you know no uh, viable alternatives for us to go in. I mean, if we if we would have found a viable location for just a Bell's Outlet, uh, that would have been a possibility for us. But uh, it really really ended up being the best of both worlds, where we had a, a great location and the ability to do a combo store. Well, and now uh, you guys are open. You've been open almost a month. You guys are thirty percent above plan. Uh, kudos to you guys. I hope that I wish you nothing but continued success. Uh, you haven't even got your co-tenants in there, which hopefully make this uh, a real barn burner as more foot traffic continues to enter the project. Anything else uh, interesting about this story and this deal or did we cover about it all? I, I think what's interesting about this is how the circumstances played themselves out and how we at the you know this this deal was more than three years in the making and and at the at the outset of it we didn't even wasn't even in our uh, mindset the, the the idea of a, of a combo store and uh, having having that prototype in our in our arsenal now really really was uh, fortuitous for us to make this great location come together yeah, I think, you know, it. it's a good lesson in constantly trying to be creative to solve a problem, right? You, the, the problem was you were in a market that you like to be in, but you were going to lose a location. And so, you know, just because you couldn't come to terms with the existing landlord. And so how do you solve that? And the way you solved it was in a world of retail disruption was making a bigger store, adding more retail uh, and bringing in a new concept, which you're right. You don't hear that story too often. That's pretty interesting. And that's probably why everyone got excited for sure. So thanks for telling that. That's pretty great. And when I am down in uh, the Tampa area, I'm definitely going to go check out this store in Brandon. Oh, ab- absolutely. This will, this will be our, our showcase for all our landlords and vendors that come to visit us. Uh, we'll definitely, definitely take them for a tour on, on that store. Awesome. Well, Thanks for that story. Uh, We're going to pivot a bit and now we're going to go into what we call retail wisdom. So I've got three questions for you, Wade. Tell me when you're ready. Go ahead. I'm as ready as I'll be. (laughs) First question. Best piece of commercial real estate advice for the listeners out there. Develop your relationships. The real estate business is uh, really relationship uh, driven. Uh, the story that I uh, just related to you about this, that was largely put together with the development of that relationship. The world of retail is very disruptive and you'll, you'll see people move around out of necessity with the disruption that's going on in retail, but those relationships will be maintained when people move on to new places. And that's with changing in retail and changing in technology, the, the relationship is still the core of the business. I I couldn't agree more in this business. I think that's how we're all going to be successful, how landlords, retailers, uh, if there's not strong partnerships and relationships, can't win together. So uh, good advice. Question two, extinct retailer you wish would come back from the dead. You know that's that's interesting. That just speaks to 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 retail itself. Uh, In retail, you have to constantly reinvent yourself to be to be relevant to the consumer and give the consumer a compelling reason to shop your store. I know a few years ago, I 
I enjoyed shopping at Borders Books. I enjoyed going to Blockbuster. Um, I'm not sure that I would want those stores to come back today because I think the world has changed. You know, I think back to my uh, years growing up as a kid, going to Woolworths, um, you know, thought that was a fun place to go as a kid. But, you know, the world changes. And, uh, you know, I mentioned our company is 105 years old, but we're, we're constantly looking to reinvent ourselves and be, become relevant to the consumer of today and in, in the future. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever read any Jason Jennings books, but uh, he has a book, uh, Think Big, Act Small, and uh, he talks about uh, a bunch of companies who are constantly reinventing themselves. And it's a must in today's world. If you know, you can't, the consumer's changing uh, buying habits at a rapid pace. If you can't keep up, and the trends are changing at a rapid pace. If you can't keep up to deliver what the consumer wants, when they want it, how they want to shop for it, uh, it's going to be a challenge. Um, you know, forget about all the other pieces, right? Providing it at a price that they want to pay for it um, and all that good stuff. I, I think I think um, if you can't reinvent yourself and be on trend and deliver uh, a product in the manner which they want to get it as fast as they want to get it, it's going to be a struggle. So, Last one, a little take on the price is right. I'm going to say a, a, a product, then you're going to tell me what the retail price is for that product. The Zipa Pro on Zipa's website. Zipa is a anti-snoring solution mouthpiece. What is the price of a Zipa Pro? Zipa Pro is this um, is this a uh, electronic device? No. So it's it's just a uh, like a mask that you wear at night. It's like a mouthpiece. Like a mouthpiece. Uh, I am gonna say thirty nine ninety nine. The I don't know what the regular is, but the. The, the Pro is $99.95. Okay, um, wow. It's the, the Pro Military Anti-Snoring Solution, clinically proven mouthpiece to reduce snoring. The Zipa Pro, $99.95. Sounds like you don't have snoring problems. That's great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I don't have sleeping problems. I don't know about the snoring. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Wade, uh, it's been great. I really appreciate it. Thanks for the time. Sounds like uh, business is going well. Hope the uh, personal life is going well and uh, look forward to getting out to you guys and kind of seeing how we can do more together and continue our relationship and see if we can uh, yeah. get some deals going. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and thanks again for having me on today, Chris. I had, I had a lot of fun today. This, is, this, is, this was a fun format you put together. Awesome. Well, thanks, Wade. Uh, have a great weekend and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us. This podcast highlights the stories behind deals from all perspectives, so it doesn't matter if you're a retailer, broker, attorney, or an architect. Contact Diane Lee at D-L-E-E at D-L-C-M-G-M-T.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.